This is session seven of the Marriage and Family and High Value of the Work course. Please ensure you have your notes and a pen ready as we now continue. So in any decision in my life, I go to God by His Word. I find out that I am being that in my spirit, man. I know what I want. God, me, walk it out in my life. So in any interpretation of God's Word, it's in the beginning God. And can I just say this? God is good. Amen. If I'm interpreting that God's bad, I've missed it. Yeah. Well, I'm misunderstanding how to interpret by way of covenant understanding. God is good. Yeah. So that's the first law. But the first law transposes or transacts or is worked through the law of first institution. So in the beginning, Genesis 1 verse 1, then we'll go to Genesis 2, but Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God. In the beginning of everything we go to God's work. But where does it work through first? Whatever God instituted first. The works that God institutes first, it will touch every area of my life and it will thrive. So the thing that God instituted first is in Genesis chapter 2. In your notes. But for Adam, most suitable helper was found. There's the function of wife, you're a helper. Much like our experience to Jesus Christ of the Word. You're the, the helper to your husband as he represents the word. But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. Then God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. So the thing God instituted first was marriage. So you can look at society, you can look at church life, you can look at business life, you can look at anything. Ultimately, it's going to plateau to the level of where marriage and family finds itself. I look at good success. You get bad success, a couple of million in the bank, but lost everything else in the process. That's not good success, that's bad success. Yeah. In fact, I don't want to say it's bad success, it's non success. Yeah. Success is how it fed into the family in the first institution. So it works like this. Yeah. So in the beginning, the law of first reference is God. Then God, so in the beginning is God. First institution is marriage. So you go to the word first. See for us as pastors. Not that we come back and ram the word down our spouse's throats. Uh, we'll get to that in Ephesians 5. You will wash your wife with the word of God. You don't scrub or beat her with the Word of God. You're a harsh agent of the Word of God. It's a genteel agent. And so, in the beginning was the Word. God. Institutes marriage first. Everything else flows from marriage. So, God, in being God, then institutes marriage. Why? Because marriage is a representation of the Godhead. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you could teach this way, in what we call types and shadows, represents a father, a spouse, and children. Yeah. You can teach that. I'm not saying God, or Jesus, or the Holy Spirit, a spouse, and children, but there are types you can take out of it. Amen. And so marriage is the thing that represents God the most on the planet. When people see a healthy marriage, it draws them in. Because deep down is the heart's desire of mankind. God's put that desire in our hearts. Yeah. 
And so when you see the maze represents God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because we are family. For example, Jesus is the groom, and who are you now? We're the bride. And God is Father. What is He? He has children, He has sons and daughters. There's marriage, there's family. So God is also, can I say, using marriage to depict or define, to show people what heaven's like, what relationship with God is like. So you've got to get past the male and female, or the man and woman aspect, and see us in the spirit. And we spoke about function. So marriage represents that. So everything we do will start from God and go to family. So let's say, for example, I'm going to want to start a business. I'll start a business like this. That's my institution, my law first institution. What have I done with my marriage and family? So what's going to happen to my marriage and family? It's a subject, it's going to fail. So everything that I try and do to the exclusion of my marriage, I'm compromising my marriage, eventually that compromising is a compromise everything I do. I know business people are praying for business. Father, I want business. You said whatever I set my hand to is blessed. You said in 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9 that you became poor. So that I through your poverty might become rich. I'm trusting you for that. If I'm negating, neglecting my marriage and my family, there's a sense in which I limit the ability of God to answer that prayer. Yeah. Can you see the value of the law first reference and the law first institution? We have pastored for some years. That's now one of the Transcribal Apostolic team used to go into churches. And very often the church was struggling to the primary reason that the marriage and the family were struggling. They haven't caught on and understood, so sometimes it's a lack of knowledge. They haven't caught on and understood that it's over here and then through over here, whatever you do over here, whatever it is in life, through the prison, through the lens of the law first institution. And the law of marriage and family, everything grows. Yes. But when I go back, I turn the prism of the magnifying glass the wrong way around. And God's trying to bring me back here. And if I don't go back, I'm fighting against the laws of first institution. And I'm going to compromise my life. So everything you do is a servant into God and into marriage and family. Amen. Everything else I do in life, any resource I take, be it finance and or other, time I expend, whatever it is. Whatever I do, those are servants and not masters. Yeah. As the Bible says, you can serve one of two masters, God or money. Yeah. You'll find in everyone's life, their master is one of those two. Mm. Money is my servant. Yeah. If money is my master, yeah. then God is my servant. Yeah. Yeah. See the wrong order of it. So now I'm working hard instead of working smarter. Smarter is to allow myself to God's work. I'm a servant to God's work, I'm a smart person. I'm going to work very hard to burn myself out and struggle because I've neglected the law first institution. That's how important our marriage and our family is. Guys, compromise if you need to, lose if you have to, anything in life, but do not lose your marriage and your family. I get to heaven one day, God said to me, Abraham, let me take you north and south, east and west through heaven. There is 50 million people that are in heaven because of your ministry. But your wife and your children aren't here. 
your grandchildren aren't you? That heaven is a hell to me. But I've saved 50 million people. At the cost of my wife and my children. A billion people don't relate to my wife and my children. And I love people and a billion people are important to me. But if we're ever going to reach people effectively, it's because I've honored the Lord's first institution. If we're going to be successful in your life, from whatever junction you find yourself in now, we may have stumbled, I did for my first eight years of marriage, and I had to keep on growing out of that thing. But you come back and say, Lord, the law of this institution, I'm growing in. If I'm going to redress it, if I'm going to readjust it, if I'm going to pack up it, if I'm going to move on, Lord, but I'm not focusing it anymore, I'm planning out. Whatever that over there is, yeah. I'm coming back over here. Because when I get the lens right, the magnifying glasses, the right way around, it's going to breathe life into those areas. So your life is not about money. Money is about your life. In other words, it feeds life into you. It doesn't take life out of you. I'll tell you two quick stories because I'm not going to get to all the notes. Friends. I had the privilege of being a director in a big steel organization. I worked for a man who was an MD who worked very hard. He became a multi, multi, multi millionaire. Probably over 100 million rands worth in his personal life. But he compromised his marriage and his family. When his eldest was about 19 years old, he had three kids, 19, 17, I think about 14 or 15. His wife packed up and left them. And from way back then to this day, I don't know if he believes he's ever seen them. But I hadn't heard in the bank. Man's a father. He sold his marriage and his children and their eternal well-being and the legacy into their lives by putting money first. It's good to have money. It's bad if money has you. Yeah. God wants you to have money. Yeah. You can have 10 billion rand. Yeah. God wants you to have it, but don't let it ever have you. Because if it has you, you're going to compromise what's most important. Amen. Build that marriage. Build that marriage. Go to God's word. Trust God's word. You may have an unbelieving spouse. I'm going to show you the word of God. If you trust the word of God, it's going to be counterculture. If you trust the word of God, God can work for you to minister to that unbelieving spouse. The Bible says you can be the one that God can use to save your spouse. So let's turn the page. Let's look at this. Whilst it's application in the office of the pastor or the elder, the word elder post is used in an interspersed way in the Bible, which means it really means one and the same thing. When Paul writes to the elders, he's writing to the pastors. The use of the word pastor is referring to elders as well. But if you go to 1 Timothy chapter 3, let me give you the backdrop here. Timothy was a very young pastor of the church. He's one of the only acceptors in God's word. Because he is raised in the admonition of God's word by his grandmother Lois and his mother Eunice. So he wasn't like my son, he was five years old in the car. He learned to drive the car from a very young age. So Timothy was a young pastor, but he was still learning a lot. He led the biggest church at the time of the pandemic, the church in Ephesus, where there were 50,000 people, mostly meeting in their homes. But as the church grew, he started out well, began to compromise certain things, 
And a spirit of fear came on him. And Paul says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but of love and a power and of a sound mind. But now what Paul does is he brings Timothy back to the law of first institution. He says, you as an individual, and as you pass through your church, a lot of the challenges you are having, because you're no longer giving focus on what I instituted first, which was marriage. So he brings it back to In other words, he's saying, you're somewhere out here, yeah. I'm bringing you back here. Yeah. So we can move ahead there and expand the church. Amen. But where you are now, the church is going to diminish because he was losing numbers rapidly at the time. And it diminishes until they bring you back to the law first institution. Hmm. Pastors teach on marriage and family in the church. It's almost the most important message outside pointing people to Jesus Christ of the Word. You bring it back to marriage, you bring it back to family, you bring it back to parents, and teach them. When this thing is in the right order, you get that telescopic thing that grows in the mind. So Paul says this in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1, he says, James is a trustworthy son. Whoever aspires, you know, somebody brackets, not perspires or conspires. And some pastors who perspire and conspire <laughs> to be a pastor. <laughs> Stand on people's heads. <laughs> no, 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 no. You can't function. Bulldoze everyone else in the process. Hurt others to get on top. It says, Yes, the trustworthy saying, whoever aspires to be an overseer, that word is also called elder, uh, pastor, bishop. Also used as a manager or one who gives oversight to. So whoever oversees desires a noble task. And now what is the first thing Paul says to him? He says, now an overseer or bishop is to be above reproach. How is he above reproach? We often teach that you must be above reproach. Well, finish the scripture. It tells you what it is. So I am under reproach, if you like, or beneath reproach, or compromising reproach, if I don't go to what Paul is actually admonishing Timothy in. So he says to him, he says, now the overseer is to be above reproach, comma, in other words, continue with the thought, faithful to his wife. Yeah. Now your Bible reads the same as mine, doesn't say faithful to the church. Yeah. First, to translate the faithfulness to the church, but he says, faithful to his wife. Amen. What is the fruit of faithfulness? What is he about to tell us? I used to first teach this, like, this, is, this will be helpful to be in your life if you're a pastor church. I didn't connect the dots, literally the dots, the commas and the dots. But they're not connected. And I'm meditating on that. I'm trying to pastors and leaders. And God showed me, Paul writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy, he talks about must be, must be, must be, not must do. That was a revelation to yeah. He must be, he must be, he must be, not he must do. So we talk about the qualifications of a boss. Is he doing it? He's doing it without being it. Yeah. Don't lay hands on him, because he's going to make a mess of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So here he says, to be above reproach, this pastor, bishop, overseer, manager, one oversees a ministry expression, etc., encapsulates all of that. The way he's above reproach is firstly, he's faithful to his own wife. Yeah. Now, faithful is not just, we had also, I can use the same, it's not just in the sexual arena, it includes that, 
But faithful means you come first. You're more important. You're my focus. The church will follow. You are more important. And then he shows what the fruit of the faithfulness is. So if I'm not faithful to my spouse, this fruit is not going to be evident in my faithfulness to my spouse, which means I'm going to compromise my church. Is what he's saying. But that's what faithfulness is. Which gives me above reproach. So sometimes it's possible. Wonder why the people who are coming and they're approaching in a negative way. Because I'm not about reproach. I saw my wife down the river. I saw my children down the river. My goodness gracious me. How can I do such a thing? So he says, above reproach is to be faithful to his own wife. What will that translate to? You will be temperate to your wife. We teach that be temperate to the sheep. No, no, no. Your first sheep is your wife. You're not temperate to your wife and you're temperate to the sheep. You're wearing a mask. We're not a hypocrite. Okay? Faithful to his wife. What does that mean? That's the fruit. So if I'm faithful to my wife, this fruit will happen by itself. You don't try and be temperate. Try and be patient. It's a fruit of putting things in the right order. You come into the right order, the fruit happens. Amen. The doing follows. Yes. And so, you don't pray for patience. You don't try and be patient. Yeah. So, fruit of being faithful becomes the fruit. Don't try and be patient. You're going to be very frustrated. You're running ahead of So, faithful to his wife. If you're faithful to your wife, what will happen? You'll be a temperate individual. Yeah. You will be self controlled. You will be respectable. You will be hospitable. Mm-hmm. If I can't be hospitable to my own spouse, I'm not going to be hospitable to the people that come a day when I'm inhospitable to the people, I'll be frustrated there. Because mm-hmm. I'm not self-controlled with my spouse. That's going to eventually show its head. I can only push it down so far. It'll, it'll bring me back. It'll bring me back. Must be able to teach. Yeah. So I'm not able to teach my own wife by the washing of the Word of God, which really means by setting the first example. What is it? Leadership. Yeah. It's not bossing people around. It's setting the first example. Yeah. That's what leadership is. Yes. People follow your example. Yeah. It's not, I'm the leader. When a, you are, uh, that, that, that. No, 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 no. That's not a leader. That's a dictator. A leader is one, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11 verse 1, he says, follow me as I follow Christ. Yeah. I've shared this with my wife before. I said, sweetie, Amen. you do not follow me if it doesn't represent following Christ. Because yes. I'm leading you astray. Mm-hmm. And if it's Christ, yeah. and you're following me, who are you following? Yes. Following Christ in and through me. Yeah. So don't follow me in and of myself. Follow me as I follow Christ. If you follow Christ in me, which will be His word, then you're following into a good place. Amen. At that place, be my helper. Yes. Be my support. Be my cheerleader. He's the one who gives me respect. Respect means respect my role as being the first example and honor it and get behind it. Amen. So what desires respect? If we get in Ephesians 5, we'll teach on that. So then he says, not given to drunkenness. Now there's two ways to teach that. It means outside of a sober mind. So if you are not self-controlled, etc., you're drunk. <laughs> drunk means you're disoriented. You know, then you're patient today and then you're beating the dog the next day and then you're kicking the cat the next day and you're shouting and cursing at the wife the next day. That's what he means, don't be drunk. 
be single-minded, be oriented. We also teach this about, because there was some infiltration of legalism in the Old Covenant. And the Bible said, don't be drunk on the wine, it's actually talking about the Old Covenant, which leads to debauchery. It talks about drinking of the new wine. That's actually what that's talking Not just the puza puza, it's that too, but it's something deeper than that. So he says, not getting to drunkenness. In other words, you're single-minded, I'm faithful to you, I'm faithful to you, I'm faithful to you. Not I'm faithful to you, not faithful to you, I'm faithful to the church. Not no, there's no drunkenness. No person is drunk. They do good, they're bad. They do ugly, they do nice. It's confusion. The drunk person is very confused. So it says, not given to drunkenness, not violent. Your man. This is going to be strong. You are not violent to Amen. Not just physically, verbally as well. And if you're passing a church, ah, no, no, no. You lose your marriage and family, you will lose your church. You will lose your church, my friends. But if you keep your marriage and family, even if you lose the church, you will still part the church to be successful. It's not violent, but gentle. That's what we call gentlemen. People think gentleness is weakness. It's not a strength. It's strength under control. That's what James means. Strength under control. I know when to portion strength. Yeah. Jesus comes and he turns the tables over. But then that strength is under control. He was moved in the heart of compassion. We thank you for listening to this teaching and trust it was a blessing to you. Please go to the next teaching in the series hereafter. Should you wish to reach out to ourselves or should you have any questions, please mail us on marriage at foryourgood.net Should you want to know more about For Your Good Ministries please visit our website www.foryourgood.net God bless as you enjoy the next session on marriage and family and the high value of God's work.